And I thank you for his obedience to you, God, um, how we have been encouraged already by, by Craig and how you're going to encourage us tonight, God, and you're going to build up your body. That's why you give us gifts is to um, build up the body. That's what you say, Lord. And so we ask that your gifts would be released tonight um, in Craig and each other, in all of us, Lord. And that's what you desire. You don't just desire Craig to be up here and do his thing, um, God, but to, for, for us to join uh, in what you're doing, Holy Spirit. We want to be in your flow um, tonight. And so I pray that you would bless Craig, though, as he speaks, um, as he imparts to us the words um, that you have given him, God, as he uh, talks about your love, uh, as he talks about the joy that you have in us and God and the joy that we have in, in knowing you and in knowing our salvation is, is firm and sure in you, God. And I, I thank you that he carries um, a joy, God, that, that breaks through um, our barriers, Lord. I pray that you would release that tonight in us um, to, to be undignified before you like King David was undignified before the ark. Um, we're just going to dance. Um, so we, we thank you, God. We look expectantly for you to do great things in our midst here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, my brother. It's good to be here. Um, I love this place. I love what God does through this place, how it affects people. Um, my name is Craig Nelson. For those of you who have never met me, um, I'm a businessman by trade. I own two companies. And so tonight you see me dressed as the businessman Craig. I was in the field all day um, job souping a large project that we're installing windows and doors on, and I wasn't going to go from South St. Paul to Elk River, take a shower, change clothes, and come back just so I could look pretty for you. Because I see how you all came, and you didn't come looking pretty for me. <laughs> I mean, some of you actually made an effort, but I commend you. Um, so I'm also a pastor. I've been a pastor for 30 years um, in, uh, in the city. And um, I left the church four years ago, four and a half years ago now, because I wanted to do this experiment. And the experiment was what it would look like if we took the church outside the four walls of the church and put it in the marketplace where it belongs. And so we're not, we don't, we don't try and put butts in the seats. We try to minister to the people who show up. Amen. And we're not too worried about offerings because God's in control, you know, and we're not too worried about a lot of things. And so we probably look like the most non-religious thing that you will ever attend. And so half of you in the room won't even fit in there because you sit when you worship. I mean, we lay on the floor, <laughs> pretend God knocked us down and then get in the presence and get lost. And sometimes we don't even sing when we're on the floor. We're just like gone. That's my favorite place in God. When he has my undivided attention. Yeah? Just think if you spent as much time with God as you did your cell phone. My God, you'd be radical Christians. Yeah? Seriously. If you spent as much time with God as you did on your phone, you would be so crazy radical. You would be, we wouldn't be able to contain you. I'm serious. I'm serious. And, I, you know, one of the things that, that we're about is, is everything that we do in our ministry rides on love. When we do evangelism, it rides on love. When we do missions, it rides on love. When we pray for the sick, it rides on love. Everything rides on love. In fact, we tell people, if you go out on the street with an attitude, 
and you violate the first commandment in front of a person, you've now become their new stumbling block. You've become the next reason that they don't want to accept Jesus because they met another angry Christian. Yeah? Do you know most of the people that we meet on the street who don't want to become born again are people who have left the church because they've been hurt by people in the church who had this angry, self-righteous attitude? I got a really good idea. For the last 30 years of Christianity that I've seen done in this city, we've taught you do's and don'ts Christianity. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And yes, we need to teach do's and don'ts Christianity. But let me just raise your hand if you have not yet learned the difference between right and wrong. You haven't learned the difference between right and wrong. You haven't been taught that in the church. We've all been taught that in the church. Who knows how to walk in love? Who knows how to run the spirit-led life? Who knows how to step out when they hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and just go, "Uh uh-huh, God's here. You know how I know it's God when he speaks? Because whatever he speaks to me really does not sound like that good of an idea. (laughs) Seriously, I'm at the meat counter. one. In fact, in Elk River, if you go to Coburn Foods, it's a really crazy place. It's a wonderful place, but the the place the anointing is the strongest is at the meat counter. It is. God is so into red meat. I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry to you vegans who are here, but God is really into red meat because His anointing is so at the meat counter. And so when God, my wife sends me to to the grocery store, she she says, "Now we need this, this, and this," and I'm like, "Okay, well I'll go get that." And she's like, "I need it in 15 minutes." Because less than a mile from our house. I have never gone to the grocery store and come home in 15 minutes. You can't, I mean, God's at the meat counter. <laughs> and so I can be at the meat market and I'm, and I love red meat. It's how I maintain my slim girlish figure. And, and so I'm at the meat counter minding my own business. I'm getting a couple of T-bones, right? And the Holy Spirit is like, That guy down there in the shorts, you need to go tell him his destiny. I'm like, well, maybe you should tell me what it is. I mean, seriously. Like, how do you go tell him something you don't know? The Bible says if you open your mouth, he'll fill it. So the first thing he told me is go let that guy know he's prophetic. That's all I had. I spent 20 minutes with that guy. I told him he was prophetic, and then the Lord just kept filling my mouth with things to say. And I'm so naive that I believe that whatever God brings to me is him, and I just let it out of my mouth. And if I'm wrong, I just repent and apologize. And the cool thing about that is, you know, if you're, at the, if you're in the marketplace, you ain't never going to see that person again anyway. Yeah. This is so much cooler than church. <laughs> I mean, because like if you blow it at church, you got to see them again the next Sunday. Yeah. yeah, that's what keep. That's one of the major things that prevents you from stepping out is fear of man. Let's talk about the elephant because she's in the room. The number one thing that keeps you, prevents you from stepping outside of who you are and what you are is a fear of man. What will people think? Well, I don't know. Let's let's talk about that a minute. I have a question for you. Who cares? 
what people think. In fact, when most people see me stepping out, they've come to me when they see me stepping out and they say to me, can you teach me how to be like you? So when you're stepping out thinking, oh, these people are going to think I'm weird, they don't think you're weird. They think this is really cool that you care enough about them to actually be a part of their life. And I don't care, I don't care about your personality. I don't care if you're shy. That does not let you off the hook with God. There is no verse in the Bible that says, I do not have to do evangelism because I am shy. But there is a verse in the Bible that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I'm not in the mood. Get over yourself. This isn't about you. It's about him and them. What is the inheritance of Jesus? The lost. What's our responsibility? To bring him his inheritance. So do you want to bring Jesus like his favorite thing? Or do you want to bring him like something else that might be third, fourth, fifth, sixth down the list? I want to bring him his favorite thing. That's the lost. Yeah? So one of the things that we've been doing lately, in fact, we're just gearing up to go do it again, is um, the Lord gave me a mandate. Um, was it late last summer? He said to me, Craig, I'm going to take miracles in the marketplace. I'm going to put you in 85 nations. Our room is half this size. I'm like, 85 nations? That had to be God. It had to be. Why? Because it was so bizarrely impossible. We've been in nine nations so far this year. Not me. I haven't been to a nation yet. I send my people. That's apostolic. The way you've seen it done in the church is the exact opposite. The guy at the top gets to go out and have all the fun and we just write checks. We don't do it that way. We all give, and then whoever goes out gets a check. <laughs> Isn't that an amazing idea? So we're, we've sent people out. In fact, one lady, she'd never been on a mission trip before, and she was to um, Swaziland and Turkey already this year. God's just ruined her for missions. She's just ruined for the lost. Isn't that amazing? This has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. But we're going back to the Ukraine in July, and, and um, when we go to the, the, to the Ukraine, um, the Ukraine had, after the economic crash, um, a divorce rate of up around 85%. Because when the economy crashed, all the factories closed. If you worked at a factory, the, you had factory housing, you had factory dentist, you had fa factory doctor, and when the factory closed, all those apartments were gone. They didn't have free enterprise housing or rental apartments that you could just rent. They were all owned by the factories. So all these men just disappeared into the woodwork because they were so ashamed they couldn't provide for their family. And so it's an area of the world that has just been really, really hammered. And um, I'm not that sharp a guy. And so the Bible says, where there is great darkness, you don't need much light, right? <laughs> so that's where I decided to go because I, you know, I'm not that bright. So we just go into where it's really, really dark and you look like a superstar. Why? Because it's so dark. It's not because you're so bright. It's because it's so dark. And so we went there and I went with a friend of mine, Kenny Baudry, and um, it was in the Ukraine. I saw my first healing meeting of 33 years of being a Christian where 100% of every single person we prayed for got healed. 
100%. These signs follow them that believe you will heal the sick. Yeah? doesn't say pray for them. It says heal them. Yeah? And those signs, whether you pray for them or not, you're going to get healings because those signs follow you. So wherever I go, I have healings. Since then, I have had 10 healing meetings on U.S. soil where 100% of the people of everyone that we've prayed for has been healed. Now, I've done countless meetings. But still, to have 10 healing meetings where every single person gets healed, this is worth giving your life to. And I would rather go to a healing meeting than any kind of other kind of meeting because something actually happens that's God. Amen? Something actually happens that's God. And I don't know about you, but I have ADD. So I don't have that long of attention span. So the teaching has to be really, really good because I'm in meetings, I don't know, probably, what, 90 times, 100 times a year. So the teaching has to be like really extraordinary for it to hold my attention. But the miracles, once they start happening, that doesn't have to be that extraordinary. We did a prophetic conference earlier this year, and a lady was out in the hall. She had scoliosis, and her rib cage had collapsed on her chest. So she could feel every time she breathed, and she could feel every time her heart beat. Can you imagine? Every time your heart beat, you can feel the boom, 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 boom. Two metal rods placed right down the middle of her back surgically, and she wanted prayer. And I'm like, cool. I love the impossible. Because he either shows up in one way or another, and it's, us to, it's up to us to learn how to steward and orchestrate his showing up. Yeah? Cancer used to intimidate me. It doesn't intimidate me anymore. Because it doesn't take any more power of God to heal cancer than it does power of God to heal scoliosis. takes the same amount of power to do both. It's not like the Holy Ghost when you're praying for a cancer patient goes, ooh, we better really put some power into this. No, he heals. I mean, we've seen a number of people now just completely set free of cancer. It's been awesome. So this lady sits in a chair, and what stunned me about this woman is she had on five-inch heels with scoliosis. I'm like, that's weird. But it was a design setup for me because I put her in a chair, I held her feet in my hands, and I prayed this radical prayer. I'm going to teach it to you. I, I, I said this. I said, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. And her one leg was three and a half inches shorter than the other, and it grew straight out three and a half inches, and then it went three and a half inches beyond. And that went on for about 15 minutes. In fact, it was going on, and I'm freaking out. Here's the man of faith, right? Freaking out. I'm like, I have never seen this before. This is so amazing. I mean, seven inches a long ways. And I'm looking at her body and it's distorting and her, you know, it's like weird. But I mean, I, I, I went after the meeting. I sat in a chair. I tried to do it in my own strength. Can't be done. I'm like, oh, trying to push my leg out there as hard as I can. Couldn't do it. So I finally said, somebody go get Mike Smith. So Mike comes back and he looks at it and he's like, Oh, my gosh. I'm like, Mike, have you ever seen anything like this before? And he said, no. And then I said, somebody get a video of this. And I don't know if we got video of it or not. But every time the one foot would pass right by the other one, Mike could look at it and go, stop. 
Because, I mean, this went on for an extended, you know, 15 minutes is when you're praying like that and you're just watching it for 15 minutes. It's That's a long time. And every time we come back, he'd go, stop. And then finally he had to go back into the meeting for something. And anyway, it finally did settle and stop. And I had her stand up, five-inch heels. Remember, she's got two metal rods down the middle of her back. I said, bend over and touch her toes. She looked at me like a, some kind of loose nut. She's like, I got metal rods in my back. I said, yeah, I know, but now you can touch your toes. That was not my own idea. Now, I have a lot of people touch their toes, but in her case, with metal rods down the middle of her back, that would not have been my idea. But it was God's idea, so I, I just was naive enough to believe that it was God, right? So she bends over and gets about halfway to her toes, and it's like every muscle in her back relaxed. She bent over, touched her toes. She had this long, beautiful blonde hair. She stands up, flips her hair back over her head, and she's like, I'm pain-free. Yeah. So then I put my hands on each side of a rib cage at, on her back, and I said, bend again. And when I said bend again, something happened in the spirit realm and in an instant, less than a second, you could feel her whole rib cage shift forward. She stood back up and she couldn't feel her heartbeat on her chest anymore. Now I've talked to her a couple of times since. She's still 100% healed. Is that awesome or what? Yeah? Now that can do one of two things to you. When you hear a story like that, it can make you go like this. Oh, I could never do that. Or it could make you go like, he don't look that special to me. If he can do it, I can do it. But it raises one or two questions. It either, it either lays a challenge on your feet that you couldn't do it, or there's a hope that's released in your heart that says, I want that. I want that. Yeah? Now, look, I've prayed for a lot of people. And I've seen the extraordinary and I've been defeated. But just because you've been defeated in something does not give you permission to quit. It doesn't give you permission to not try. In fact, if you walk by a sick person, you shouldn't have to have a word of knowledge to pray for them. I mean, they're in a wheelchair. It's obvious they need prayer. Yeah? And God's just like waiting to freak you out. He's like, oh, good. They're finally going to pray. They've been on the planet 24 years. They've never prayed for a sick person in public in a wheelchair before. Oh, am I going to mess with them today? Serious. When you start saying yes to God, you'll be amazed at the things that you see. Most of us, because we've been raised in the church, are petrified, literally petrified, of doing anything for God in the public square. I have a secret for you. He moves a lot easier in the public square than he does in the church. We saw more miracles in our first year at Miracles in the Marketplace than I'd seen in the previous two in my former church. And I did a healing meeting every Friday night. 
we saw radical miracles in the first year we, we started that ministry. And it's done nothing but grow ever since. And God's releasing an authority on the earth in the miraculous realm right now like I have never seen in my life before. Ever. Ever. And what's so hilarious is he's raising up all these newbies. That's what's funny to me, these new people, you know. Like I did a, a healing meeting in, in La Crosse, and I said, so, um, you know, if you've never prophesied before, why don't you stand up? So this guy stands up, like I'm going to pray some special prayer over him. So then I said, if you've never got a prophetic word, stand up. This lady stands up. I said, oh, you guys come up here. And they both think they're getting words. So I said, you've never had a word before. She said, no. And then the, the guy said, and you, I said to the guy, and you've never given a word before. No. I'm like, awesome. Give her a word. <laughs> so just lay hands on her and just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. So he shuts his eyes, and I'm like, long enough. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't need very long. He doesn't. He's always speaking. It's just we don't believe what we hear. Amen? So he's like, I said, what's the first thing that came to your mind? Pain. I looked at the lady. I'm like, where is it? She said, in my shoulder. I looked at the guy. I said, tell it to go away. <laughs> well, you can tell pain to go away. You have authority over pain. You have authority over all things, especially pain. So you got a headache and you want it to be better without Advil? Tell, tell it where to go. You ever told your headache to leave before? That's how we pray for migraines now. We're like, go away. In Jesus' name. I don't have a headache. So he lays hands on her for a second, and I said, well, that's long enough. I said, okay, check your shoulder. She checks her shoulder. She's like, I was going to have rotator cuff surgery, but now I can't even. And she was doing weird things with her arm. You know, I mean, it's like a self-inflicted arm bar. And, and I'm like, man, if I did that to my arm, it'd hurt. And, and uh, I heard back that she'd went to her doctor and, um, they had looked at her rotator cuff and, um, there's nothing wrong with her rotator cuff. Yeah? See, we think God needs all these complicated religious prayers. I think that's hilarious. Because if you study the Bible, Jesus went away to pray. When he actually prayed for the sick, he said very little. But he didn't pray. He said, take up your bed and walk. So when you pray for people in a wheelchair, don't go through this agenda. Just like, get up. Don't you think that's a good prayer? Get up. But we haven't, no, we've been trained that if we remind God of the healing covenant, and then we get into this whole religious thing, of our training in our history, what you've just done is pray a prayer of your own strength. And there was no opportunity in it for the Holy Spirit to be led, to lead you at all. Amen? So, if God's doing new things on the earth, then he's got to be some, doing something new in us. You buy that? Alright, so I'm going to teach you something tonight. Turn your Bible to Hebrews 4.11, we'll make it a legal meeting. It's something that I'm learning that's brand new. 
So you're really kind of the I played with it a little bit before, but you're gonna, you're the first people to ever hear this message. If it's no good, let me know, and I'll never do it again. Are you guys okay out there? Because you kind of look mad. Are you mad about something out there? All right, Hebrews four eleven says this, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Then it, it says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Okay? Now let's think about that. Why does God want to divide us into two realms, a soulish realm and a spirit realm? So you will know the difference between you and him even though you share the same body. Most of you cannot tell the difference between the spirit realm and your soulish realm. In the word of God, when you study it, the design of it is to divide between the soulish realm and the spirit realm. When I'm in the spirit realm, I absolutely 100% know. When I'm in the soulish realm, I know that too. Because I'm usually feeling sorry for myself. I do. I, I throw the best pity parties anybody's ever thrown. If you ever want to come to a good one, you come to my pity party. Amen, because I do good ones, all right? This is a really big deal to God, and he will go to any length to teach you this truth because once you've learned it, you're going to become far more effective. If you don't know when you're in the soul, in your soulish realm and you don't know when you're in the spirit realm, you're going to always be in second guessing. Amen? What is he trying to get you out of? Second guessing. Why? Because he's designed you to live in promise. And if you're, okay, go back to Genesis. Man was never designed to live in sin. That isn't the way he was made. He wasn't made to live in sin, right? So God made a plan. He sent Jesus to the cross, right? And what did he do? He redeemed us from sin. So in what measure did that redemption come short? It didn't, right? We sang about it tonight. We're white as snow. So if you're white as snow, then you can't listen to the voice of condemnation unless you're in your the soulish realm. Because any voice that tells you what you're not in God is not from God. And you listening to it is what creates a war between you and heaven. Because your mind is at war. Your mind is at enmity against the Most High God. Why? Because you're making an agreement with something that, do, that God doesn't agree with. So I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm redeemed. I'm white as snow. I'm set free. I'm holy. I'm worthy. I'm cute. I'm good looking. I'm smart. I'm funny. Oh, you have such an ego. I'm agreeing with heaven. You want to disagree with heaven and your gig? Do it on your soil, not on mine. 
I'm tired of walking on soiled soil. I'm not, well, that's what it is. I mean, when, when I listen to I understand shortcomings. We all have shortcomings. We all got stuff. Right? But shortcomings are a lot different than I'm stupid. No, 20 minutes ago you did a stupid thing. Repent and remove the stupid thing as far as the east is from the west. Because once you do that, God can't remember. So why would you keep bringing it up? That's stupid. Now, when I was a kid, I got a bad, if I got a bad report card, I always got a whooping. Any D's, anything below a C, I got a whooping. So, and I usually deserved it. And I got too weak whether I needed it or not because I was just like, when I was a kid, I was hell on wheels. And I hadn't invented Ritalin yet. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I got away with so much. And um, so, like, the first thing I would do after I got my whooping is, this is back in the day when, when we had burning barrels. That's how old I am. So I go back to the burning barrel. I'd take that report card, and I'd light it up. In case my dad ever saw it again, remind him I need another whooping. I, re- I got rid of all the evidence. So if you blew it with God, why would you bring it up over and over and over and over and over again? Because he can't remember it. And the only way he can remember it is if you remind him. And if your thought life is constantly reminding God of what you're not, that creates a separation between you you and God because it's unbelief, right? Unbelief is sin. It creates a separation. You need to deal with that until your thinking begins to line up with what the Bible says that you are because you're more than a conqueror. Well, what does that look like? I'm conquering all the time. I love conquering. I was made to be a conqueror. I should have been born back in the Viking days. I'd have been the shortest guy who cut people's heads off on the earth. Yeah. I'm made to be a conqueror. What does a conqueror do? Overcome any circumstance, any circumstance that life puts in front of you. I haven't won every battle, but I've been in every war. And I've fought every fight. And I've had some nasty ones. I overcame bladder cancer. Had a bad heart valve. Had to have open heart surgery. Overcame that. My wife was diagnosed with what looked like melanoma at the back of her eye. One of my buddies prayed for her and he says, I just see God taking out a little jackknife going like this at the back of your eye and it's gone. So he prayed that prayer. That sound, does it, would this prayer fit in your church? Oh, I see God taking out a jackknife. He's just going like that. It's gone. She went to a doctor appointment about four weeks later. The doctor looked into her eye for over 45 minutes and he said, whatever that doctor saw on that former MRI, he said, it is not in your eye now. We clap really loud where I'm from. Then the, one of the coolest battles I was ever in. I'm just, I'm just on the tail end of this battle. This is one of the funnest battles. Do you like, do you guys like battles? I like battling. Because you know what? God usually tells me the outcome before I get in it. No serious. 
That's the way the promises of God work. So I have a, a, a baby. My, my son and his, my daughter-in-law have a little baby born. His name's um, Jackson James. He came in February. The problem was he was only 26 weeks and one pound, 10 ounces. And I'm driving my son to the hospital, and he is distraught. Any good daddy would be. But it was weird because I wasn't distraught. So I'm like, what's up? I'm not doing this out loud because he's distraught. But I'm having this conversation with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, what's, what are you about to do? And he said, I got this one. Ha! I got the promise at the beginning of the war. Five days later, that little guy was born, one pound, ten ounces. Next day, he went in, he had heart surgery. We got him through the heart surgery. Three weeks later, he weighed two pounds, eight ounces, and a pick line that was running from his heel up into his heart failed. And it went from two pounds, eight ounces, to three pounds, ten ounces of fluid that just flooded his abdomen. They couldn't find the answer. Everyone around me is freaking out. I'm at war. I ain't got time to be freaked out. Freaking out's for pansies. <laughs> I'm not freaking out. That's my grandson. I freak out. He might not live. I'm not freaking out. That'd be like crawling back into some hole in a pre-born again condition. I'm not going to live there. So that night, he was. it was like his worst hour. I'm down there, and he's in the incubator. I open the little incubator door. I put my hand on his foot, and I'm speaking in tongues. I don't know what to do. So I told the Holy Spirit, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he says, baptize him in me. I got Lutheran theology. Well, some of it I have left. <laughs> My theology tells me you can't do that till someone's at the age of accountability. Here's the deal, though. I learned that theology with my intellect. Apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm hearing his voice say, baptize him in me. It was better than any idea I had. And it wasn't my idea because it was outside of my theology. I knew the devil wouldn't tell me to do that, so it must have been God. Right? So I put my hand on his foot and I said, Holy Spirit, come right now. You baptize this boy in you. Bring your presence in a strong way so he'll know. I wanted, I wanted Jackson to know it, that it was Holy Spirit coming to take up residence. Because... I mean, those little babies, they are so smart. Because I went to see him every day for 10 weeks and two days. I went to that hospital. I went from Rogers, Minnesota, the University of yep, Rogers, Minnesota, to the NICU unit at the UAM every day. It was the funnest thing I've ever done. And, and so I would, go, I would go down there. And when I'd come in the room, I wouldn't let him hear my voice until I was done washing his hand, my hands. Because you got to scrub from your fingertips to your elbow for three minutes. So I'd go in, I'd scrub. I'd get all scrubbed. I'd walk over to, the, to his, his incubator. 
and I'd be like, hey, Jackson, Papa's here. And he would take his hand, and he would go like this. And I would open the door, and I would put my finger in his hand, and he could only wrap his fingers about a quarter of the way around my finger. And he would pull it in and put it right under his neck. And I wanted him to know the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I, I'm praying this prayer, and he's on a monitor. And so if the heart rate goes too high or too low, the monitor goes off. You know, and at this point, he's not very big. He's, he's uh, three pounds, ten ounces, which is like half, you know, most of it's fluid. And so I, I just prayed, Holy Spirit, come. He was going about 170 beats a minute. Goes up to 195 beats. Alarm goes off. Stays that way for about three minutes. His respiratory increased about 25% the whole time. We were just inviting the Holy Spirit to come. That was the beginning of the end of that, what they, what they found. They put a drainage tube in him the next morning. Um, within three days, he was not only... Um, back to his normal birth weight, but he was off the ventilator. He's four months old. He weighs seven pounds, eight ounces. He was just over for his first barbecue. The boy loves ribs. We don't give him big ribs, but, you know, he we just get a little on his lips. <laughs> so, you know, you're going to be in battles. And if you're in battles and you don't know when you're in your soul and you don't know when you're in the spirit, you're going to get your Levi's tag handed to you every single time. And then you're going to say things to yourself like, oh, I don't have enough faith. You got enough faith. You got to exercise it now. You gotta take what you have and use it. Because here's what usually happens. What usually happens when we get in a battle, we cry out to God for Him to move. He's in heaven saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. I gave it to you. You move. I can't do it without you. He already knows that. If you have met Jesus, and He lives with inside you, if He lives inside you, there will be no battle that you go to that He's not there. Yeah? And if you got the Holy Spirit too, now you have a threefold cord. You, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Wow, maybe He really believes in this Trinity stuff, huh? Right? So wherever you go, you have two or three witnesses. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's two witnesses, you and Jesus. Once you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's three witnesses, right? And so as God puts you in different circumstances and situations, it's not because he's mad at you. In fact, I say this all the time. Your circumstances have absolutely nothing to do with the love of God on your life. We think that we have it so tough. I'm telling you, if you think you have it so tough, you should go to the Ukraine. You go to a church in the Ukraine, you drive up, there's two cars. Walk in, there's 1,200 people. They are all walked or took the bus. They're committed. They're hungry. Yeah? Are you hungry? Or are you just thinking about it? All right? 
When you can rightly divide between soul and spirit, your confidence goes way up because you know it's him and you know, and when you know it's him, the outcome can't be bad. Right? So when God gives me the promise at the beginning of a battle, I don't focus on the circumstances or the battle. I focus on the problem or on the promise. That's what I focus on. Circumstances? You're going to have circumstances in everything. Right? Who's the game changer here? That's what we're made to be. We are the game changers in any circumstance, any situation, any difficult thing. You know, I heard a lot of you had prayer. You know, because you were raised under unrighteous authority. I love that. I'll give you step two. Fall in love with the Father. Just fall in love with the Father because when you fall in love with the Father, He deals with every kind of orphan thinking that exists in your brain. And He just lovingly one by one. You don't need that no more, buddy. You can't think that way anymore. Uh-uh, no, 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 we're not thinking that way anymore. And he eradicates that whole way of thinking. It's not how much of the Bible you know, it's how deeply you love. That's what eliminates, that's what keeps that spirit from your doorstep. And you know what, people who are in love, <laughs> I love people who are in love. You can't control them. Why? Because they're so in love, they're always off doing the next crazy thing with God. A couple summers ago, I was minding my own business, and the Holy Spirit shows up to me, and he says, Hey, will you do a prophetic conference in the city with me? That is not my idea of a good time. I mean, I like that, but I also know the cost and and how much work it is. And our staff is one, my wife. And now we're going to throw a big party for um, Christians in our city. And I said to the Lord, we don't have any money. And he said, yeah, I know. Book these three speakers, have them in, give away all your offering. Sounded like a great idea to me. So we we gave away like over $8,500 in three weeks. Doesn't that sound like kingdom economy? And my wife comes to me and she's like, now we're broke. I'm like, good. It's either God or we don't do a conference. Within a few days, a businessman calls me up and he's like, I need to sow into good soil. I'm going to send you a thousand. And then another guy calls and he's like, I'll send you a thousand. And then another guy calls, I'll give you 2,500. And I'm like, can I hear three? (laughs) (laughs) But see, if you're, if you're locked in your soulish realm, all the circumstances that surround what it's going to do to pull off what he's asked you to do will overtake you and defeat you before you've even allowed enough time to contemplate, did I hear God or not? See, God's only ever asked me to do the impossible. He's never asked me to do anything I can do in my own strength. Not one time. I've been doing this 33 years. He's never been like, hey, will you go to Dairy Queen and have like a a snow cone for me? (laughs) I mean, he doesn't say stuff like that to me. Like I was minding my own business and he says to me, now next time you're in the Ukraine, Krive Rogue is one of the primary regions 
of Eastern Europe where children are brought in through from Thailand through um, Crive Rogue and then sex trafficked into the rest of Europe. Yeah, Holy Spirit asked me to get him into one of them auctions. Oh, and he told me to bring money so we could buy some kids too. Do you know at an auction over there you can buy a little boy for $600? I'm naive enough to believe that he's going to give us all the right connections when we're there and we're going to get in. Wouldn't that be fun? I mean, doesn't that sound like way better than going to confirmation? <laughs> I mean, I know you got to go to confirmation, but you know what? Biblical confirmation, it says, I will confirm you to the end that you'd be spotless and blameless at the day of my coming. Amen? So when God shows up um, and he starts to confirm us, it looks way different than confirmation. Nothing wrong with confirmation. I love confirmation. But it looks like this. It looks, here's how biblical confirmation looks. We stand up for me. Hey, you, Craig. Only reason I can remember your name, Craig. Because when I get in the spirit, I can't remember names. So hold up your hands like you're getting a present. You know, when I saw you playing the piano, you were, you were like the stallion chasing the wind. And you had your nose into the wind and, and this, this white mane flailing, flying behind you. And, and the Lord says, keep your nose in the wind. And he loves it that you're outside the box. That's where you're made to live outside the box. And, and those, those eclectic things that were coming off your piano, I just loved it. I loved it. Learn how to do more of that. In fact, um, I, when we were in worship, I saw you um, learning how to play an Irish whistle. And you're playing this Irish whistle and these sounds that came off of, in worship opened people's hearts to something the Spirit was doing. And so it's going to be those those things that are non-traditional to many. Oh, the angels just came. Poof, I love that. So just go with it. You already don't care what people think, so who cares what the piano sounds like? <laughs> Amen? So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd whack him. Yeah, just whack him, God, with the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That's biblical confirmation. You ought to try that at the park sometime. Oh, it's way more fun at the park. It is. You ought to see how freaked out people get when you do this at the park. Really. Or what you do is you use your body like an antenna. And you pray this prayer. You say, Lord, I'm going to walk into that crowd right there. If somebody has pain in their body, I want to feel it in my body. So you walk in the middle of the crowd. You're like, ma'am, do you have a back problem? Oh, I do. Well, let's go over to the picnic table. Put her on the picnic table, grow her legs back and forth for four or five minutes. She gets up healed. I mean, doesn't this sound like fun? Well, what if she doesn't have a back problem? Well, bless her. I mean, just bless her. 
with love and tenderhearted mercy. Amen? Some of you look at me like I just am a loose nut. You're looking at me like, man, that guy is crazy. I'm not crazy. Y'all are crazy. I'm right. (laughs) Well, if you read your Bible very carefully, I don't know how you can believe in a God that would say everything that he had to say about the supernatural and perform everything that he performed while he was on the earth. And then he says, John 17, I love that scripture, but then he prays. In John 17, he says, Father, what I have with you and you have with me, I want with them. So look at the life of Jesus. What Jesus wants with you is his lifestyle on the earth. Yeah? That is not boring Christianity. There is nothing boring about that kind of Christianity. It's edgy. It'll put you, in fact, let me say, I'll make this statement. One of the reasons, one of the reasons that I'm on the earth, earth is to shake your world. Because right now what I see in the room is a bunch of people who are trying really hard, who are scared spitless about stepping out in anything of the things of God. And the reason I need to shake you is so you become uncomfortable. Because if you become uncomfortable uncomfortable, and learn to live uncomfortable by way of a lifestyle, you'll never have to worry about being spewed out of his mouth. Because to live in do's and don'ts Christianity alone is not enough. It absolutely isn't enough. You can grow, you can grow cold-hearted in that. And I don't know how many of you like being spewed, but I don't want to try it. Yeah? I don't want to be that lukewarm Christian. And the thing I've learned is that I li- if I live uncomfortable every day, I take that risk completely, 100% out of my life. I would rather live hungry for the things of God. Not religion. Not singing hymns, although I love singing hymns, depending on who's singing them. I want to live hungry for the things of God because what I've found is hungry people live completely different than satisfied people. Proverbs says a hungry man can eat any bitter thing and call it sweet. The satisfied trample a honeycomb. So the satisfied will trample over the good things of God and complain about church. The hungry could go to a terrible church service with bad worship leading and come away going, that's so awesome. God was there. Wasn't that amazing the way his presence came and invaded the room? And the satisfied are looking at him like, what church service were you in? You hear all them clunker notes that person hit? No, I, I just I just got the presence. Oh, it was so, oh, the presence is so good. Yeah? I want to be that kind of Christian. And a lot of people have said to me, but if I'm that kind of Christian, then, you know, I have to, I have to sacrifice my business life. No, you don't. Do both. I have two companies. Looking at a third. My wife really put her foot down about that one. <laughs> I have a ministry. I preach probably 150 times a year, 200 times a year. 
It's just good time management. That's all it is. My wife manages my time and makes me good. (laughs) That's the truth. I couldn't do this all on my own. So when we divide between soul and spirit, there comes this, this elevation of our confidence. Now, let's just talk about something. If you mix the soulish realm, your mind, will, and emotions with the spirit realm, you will live confused. They were never meant to be mixed. That's why the word of God divides them. So as you study the word moving forward, ask yourself this question um, in this way. Am I interpreting Am I interpreting this scripture in such a way that it's dividing me into two realms? One will either expose the sin in your soul or simply your soul, and the other will, will show you plainly the spirit realm. I'll give you a perfect example. You will know, by this you shall know that you are my disciples. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. Okay? So do you know what we do? How we've interpreted that is get more truth. Learn more truth. Well, if you study that same verse in the Spirit, it's you need to meet truth. Because who is the truth? You will know the truth. Peripateo. You will know the truth experientially. He will set you free. So next time you need freedom, I wouldn't focus on learning more truth or memorizing more Bible verses. I'd get alone with him until he shows up. I'd experience him. I'd experience whatever truth he's about to give me that I need to overcome and be victorious in the, in the thing that I'm facing. I had a young man come to me one time and, and, um, he was struggling with sexual sin and, he said to me, I, I just don't know what to do. And um, I said, well, I'll tell you what I do. He said, what's that? I said, I'd ask God for a divine appointment every day. He's like, what? What's a divine appointment? I said, that's where you and God meet another human being, and he comes out of you. And now you have to live your life prepared in such a way for him to come out of you. He's like, that's it? He'd been to Master's Commission. He thought he was going to get 180 memory verses. Sorry, but that's your own strength. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be disciplined. But when your Bible principles quit working, one of the reasons that they've quit working is because he's not in your principles. He's in those principles, but you've never met him experientially. It was cool. When I first memorized that scripture, I was smoking three packs a day, and I was in Bible school. That's another story. It's pretty funny, though. And um, so anyway, I'm like, I read that scripture, and I memorized that scripture, and I'd repeat that scripture. And, um, and, and then one night, I met the truth. And he, he just said to me, you won't have a desire to smoke anymore. I took that on the cross. Didn't have a desire to do that anymore. I thought it was weird. 
I shared the experience with some of my classmates when I, and and they thought it was weird because they they were good Lutherans too. They thought you quit smoking by discipline, which you can. It just wasn't working for me. I was mean and ornery and. Well, he just said, "Well, I took that on the cross. It's over." Do you see the difference? You can memorize all you want until you experience it. It won't transform you. I've said this before, probably here as well, but it takes no faith to be a good person. None. The Mormons don't have faith. They're good people. Jehovah's Witnesses, they're they're good people too, but they don't have faith. The Islamic people, they pray six times a day facing a certain direction. I'd never do that. I have an F-150 prayer room. The way I'd know what direction it's facing, I looked at the compass. Okay, so here's here's the million-dollar question. If the Bible is written under divine inspiration, why do we then attempt to interpret it with our intellect instead of by the Spirit? It must be both our mind following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Because if God wants a line between the soulish realm and the spirit realm, then our biblical studies must parallel that. When you see who you are in the spirit, there is less desire to live from your soul. This makes dealing with sin and the issues of life so much easier because it's done by the spirit, not by your own strength. Amen? So in this realm, it's way easier to live a a revelatory lifestyle. In the spirit, and it, and it's easier to shift from one realm to the other. You were made to have a revelator. Open the eyes of my heart on the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Jesus. How do you have, now, the, the word, the word for knowledge means, it means to know a thing or divine knowledge. When you hear the word divine knowledge, what does that do to your brain? It settles it right into religious mud for me. But it means that you're supposed to have knowledge of a supernatural God. That's what that experiential knowledge is. is so how do you have an experience with a supernatural God without a revelation? Got to have a revelation, right? The cool thing about revelation is when you get one, it's just like so life-changing. It is. It's like, do you know revelation and, and deception are really similar? I mean, one of the natures of deception is you don't know you are till you're done. And then when you're done being deceived, you go, oh, I was deceived. Revelation is like you're staring at a scripture that's just slapped you on the face as you've been reading your Bible and you go, oh my gosh, that's what that means. I always thought it meant this other thing. Every scripture in the Bible can be taught from at least three different levels of revelation. They, each, each scripture contains at least three revelations. We usually teach the surface one. When I'm teaching um, um, in seminaries, in more advanced training, I always train at three levels of revelation at the same time. That way I hit everybody in the room. God wants to hit everybody in the room, Right? All right. 
So the supernatural can only be learned in the spirit by revelation. I would submit to you that most of us reject what we get by way of revelation. And you reject it before you've considered, um, before you've considered it with God. We reject it in our mind before we brought it to the throne room. Vivian's on our board. She's part of our ministry. And, um, man, when God starts speaking to us, I mean, we're, we were this close to pulling a, the trigger on our, on our, um, on our new training school this fall. And, um, Vivian and myself and our board, we were praying into it. And I just really felt, and Vivian confirmed it. In fact, she told me that maybe we should hold off a year. Smartest thing we ever did. But if we wouldn't have taken that, that revelation to hold off another year and just weighed it before God, held it before God, we would have been out in front of our timing. And one thing that drives me crazy is anything done poorly. What we do, we do with excellence, and it's held to a very high standard. And the reason we do it with excellence because that's one of the words that's used in describing the glory realm. Is in the glory of God there's excellence. It doesn't big difference between excellence and perfectionism. If you're pursuing excellence, you get a walk in fulfillment. If you're pursuing perfectionism, you're always going to live with that wasn't good enough. Pursue excellence. Amen? But if we wouldn't have held that revelation before the Lord and really considered it, we would have missed our timing. God's into timing. Yeah? So, all right. In Ephesians 3, I think it says this. Um, to know the love of Christ, which passes, which passes knowledge. That means the love of God that you can know will be beyond what your head will be able to understand. So then where do you get it? And your spirit, man. When he's speaking to me in the spirit, man, I understand it right here. I might not be able to articulate it, but right here, huh, it's like, I don't know what this is, but this is good. I mean, because it, it, it's just good. And for a while, um, in the last six months, the Lord has been putting language to a new kind of preaching that he wanted me to bring me into. And I'm like, cool. I can't describe it. How do you want me to do it? And then he'd slowly edge me out of the boat from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And one night he explained it to me. I just love it when he comes and explains things to me because he's just, he just so loves hanging out and talking. And he said, you know, Craig, I'm going to teach you this new kind of preaching and it's called flow. He said, I've built a well inside of you of wisdom, understanding, Bible knowledge, funny stories, great testimonies. And he said, now what I'm going to do is I want you to trust me to pull exactly out of your well what the people in the room have need of. This is the first time I've made notes in six months. Three weeks ago, I was at a healing conference in La Crosse, um, I preached five meetings in three days and I never had a notebook because he was teaching me flow. But for quite some time, I couldn't put, I couldn't, 
I couldn't put language to it. But there was enough there to where it was like, ooh, this is fun. So I never let go of the revelation. And he percolated it in my spirit until I could finally put language to it. Some of you have that very thing going on right now inside of you. He's percolating in you. Let it percolate. And, you know, we're Americans, so we need to figure everything out. Well, good luck with that in God. I mean, seriously, getting it all figured out. and all. I mean, if we would spend as much time enjoying God as we do churning our emotions, life could actually be fun again. Amen? Because every season that you're in with God's meant to be enjoyed, not figured out. Well, I need to know what he's doing. How would you live different? In fact, let me ask this question. How many why questions does God actually answer for you guys? Maybe he answers them for you, but you know what? I've been a Christian 33 years. He's never answered one why question for me. So why do we keep asking him? (laughs) But here's one thing I've learned. He does answer these other two questions, how and what, or how and when. Hardly never why, but how and when, he's really good at. So as you're asking God's questions, ask him questions that he's actually going to answer. Amen? All right. Amen. We'll end right there. Make sense? Did you record it? Good. Send me a copy. I want to know what I said. (laughs) Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. So um, some of you tonight, you're going to get cameras in your head. Who wants a camera in their head? A camera is is, um, God gives you a camera. In your, in your imagination. And so when he turns your camera on, when you're praying for somebody, all he wants you to do is pray the pictures. Yeah? I'm a pretty simple guy, so when he first gave me a camera and he turned it on, freaked me out. Because I like shut my eyes and all I can see is these pictures. And I'm like, well, what do I do with that? I mean, I've been a healing guy my whole life. Now he's giving me pictures. I don't want pictures. I never asked for pictures. Leave alone my imagination. So I get pictures. I didn't know what to do, so I prayed the pictures. And I would pray the pictures until the person wasn't on the end of my hand anymore. Serious. And then I'd open one eye just a little bit, and I'd be like, whew, catcher got him. But I was petrified. I mean, I was so scared of praying those pictures. And every single time I prayed those pictures, you're 100% right. It was, I was amazed. I prayed over this one guy and, and I said, I'm praying over him and I said, Oh, I see you on a, on a, on one of those big deep sea fishing rigs and you're sitting in the chair and you got one of them big fish. I said, God's called you to catch big fish. He drops to his knees weeping and he said, that's the vision I had in my quiet time this morning with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I'm kind of warming up to this camera. This is kind of cool. 
But see, that camera is a prophetic gift that lets you see into the spirit realm. And the thing you need to understand is the things that you're seeing will probably never, ever, ever make sense to you. That's because those pictures are not meant for you. They're meant for someone else. So a lot of times when we process the things God gives us prophetically, we want to say, that doesn't make sense. I guess that must not be God. Well, the reason it doesn't make sense is it's not for you. And then you tell it to somebody else and they're like, Wow, that makes perfect sense. That's awesome. That's confirming, right? So who wants a camera? All right, stand up. You know, when you get a camera, it's almost like cheating. It is. It's so awesome. So Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. And Lord, in the same way you gave me a camera, God, I, I release that, that same gift to my brothers and sisters right now in Jesus' name. I release that camera that works in our sanctified imagination. And Lord, I just pray that you'd show them pictures, right? Just even right now, start showing them pictures. Showing them pictures of different things that you're going to be doing and saying and places they'll be and, and show them their future in the present that makes it so much more fun. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, check out your camera. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? Waves crashing onto a shore, okay? So if I if I was going to get those kind of pictures, what I'd do the rest of the night is look for people who need refreshing. As waves are refreshing. Okay, what are you getting? Uh, trees. Lots of trees. Trees. Bright sunshine. Bright sunshine. New life. Yep, yep, new life. You'd find someone who needs more life and go give them more life. Amen? You got your camera working yet? It works better with your eyes shut. What are you seeing? A friend of yours going up the staircase. I'd pray for her for sure. Amen? So if she's going up the staircase, it's all about new levels. Amen? It's all about new levels. Steps of obedience of faith. Amen? All right, you all can sit down. I'm going to do one, two, maybe three, I don't know, prophetic things, and then we'll release you. Do we release at 9.30 or quarter two? Oh, I love it. You don't ever say that to me. (laughs) Can you stand up for me? Yeah, tell me your name. Sweet. Hold up your hands like you're getting a present. Oh, that's really cool. There's a wonderful healing gift that's on your life. Just an amazing, wonderful healing gift. And, and there's also a public speaking gift on your life as well. In fact, when I, I saw you in worship tonight, you're this fiery young little thing, and you might be small, but you are so fiery. I would never want you mad at me. 
<laughs> and and I just see you on a platform and and you're just preaching with so much passion. And then at the end, when you're done preaching, and this I mean you're in a big place now. And and when you're done preaching, you do an altar call. And thousands, thousands come to Christ. You're an evangelist. You're an evangelist. <laughs> and your brain right now is going haywire. Just let it go in your spirit. The Lord loves the compassion that you walk with. And he loves that the, the other part of your life that you're, you're a rescuer. Man, you will leave the 99 and you will go get the one every time. And you'll drag them back kicking and streaming and you don't care. You get out the hose and wash them off and clean them up. Oh. Eye has not seen nor ear heard the things <laughs> that God has prepared for you. Just keep saying yes. Come up here a minute. I don't do this very often, but come up here. Give me a hug. Father, what you've given me in the Spirit, all the training, all the experience, let her start here. Let her start here. The prophetic gift, she can have that too. The healing gift, I release it to her now in Jesus' name. Go and run like the wind, sweetie. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, when he was talking about the evangelism gift, I that was in my camera right before you were, but right before he prophesied on me. I wasn't sure what he was gonna make of it, but when I asked God for a camera, I saw so many people, and there was no space between those people, and I didn't understand what that meant. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it God? Is like the Holy Spirit is so hilarious. I mean, he's got this amazing personality. You know, we think he's the Holy Spirit. You know, so like he's like holy. But I've seen this whole other side to him, and it's like, when we're going to do a healing meeting, it's like he'll come to me and he'll be like, are we doing healing tonight? He doesn't say to me anymore, do healing tonight. I've already planned to do healing. And he's like, are we doing healing tonight? I can't wait because I'm really good at healing. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Oh, backs. I love doing backs. See, we've so imagined... God for so long is an angry God that we don't even know how to hear him in love. When, God's, when God talks to me, he just says, he comes to me and he's like, hey, Craig, I love the way you prophesy. That is so awesome. I give you half an idea and you're spewing it out of a microphone. You don't even wait for the whole thing. 
I love that boldness about you. If he's a loving God, why wouldn't he talk to you that way? Get this. He can only speak to that in you which is renewed. That which is unrenewed, he will not speak to. Because that part of you that's unrenewed is not part of your destiny. This is good stuff. You guys are looking at me like, what was that? He, he will not speak to that which is unrenewed. Your pastor can do that. He'll only speak to that which is renewed. So one time, this is, this is quite some time ago, I, was, I went through a really, really hard season. It was about four and a half years ago. I went through just really a difficult season. And um, I was in the middle of one of my pity parties. And um, he just said to me, at my lowest hour, he came to me in the middle of the night and he said, Craig, I'm so proud of you. And I'm looking at my life and wondering what there is to be proud of. And I asked him that. I said, what, what is there to be proud of? He said, you didn't quit. Most people would have quit. You didn't quit. That gave me fresh hope. But that's his nature. See, I think we only hear God in do's and don'ts because that's the way we've been trained. What if he actually wanted to just come walk with you in the cool of the day and have conversations like before the fall of Adam? So did the cross actually get us back to before the fall of Adam or didn't it? If the cross got us back there, then he should, you should have seasons where he comes and walks with you in the cool of the day, has conversations with you. Now, with different ethnic groups that I've worked with, they hear God way different than white people. I love it. <laughs> Serious, they have conversations with God, and and man, they're. I mean, it's like okay, this is my friend Peter. He's and Peter's. Um, see, Vietnamese. Yeah. So Peter's only born again about a month, you know. And the Holy Spirit shows up. He's in prayer one morning, and he says to Peter, he says. Um, Ma'am, I know you're leaving, but there's an um, amazing teaching gift on your life. Turn around. There's an amazing teaching gift on your life that you need to exercise. And, and when you teach, it, it won't be line upon line. It'll be about if they're going to get it, they're going to catch it. And um, um, <laughs> the thing the Holy Spirit really loves about you is you, you have a charisma gift on your life. And there's also a, just a, a, a wonderful amazing sincerity and that sincerity and that loyalty god just loves that about you and your students um i just see you're, you're going to be like a mother hen 
as as you 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 care for these these younger ones and as you nurture them and and walk with them and and you know what you're not going to just be a good teacher you're going to be a great teacher and the pharisees went to jesus and they said jesus we know you're a great teacher because of the signs and wonders that you do and the signs and wonders you will see at your hand will floor you that ought to make pretty good sense. So Holy Spirit, just whack her in Jesus' name. Baptize her fresh in the power and the love of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Huh. That's weird. Do you have kids? You're gonna. <laughs> You're gonna like that a lot more than him. <laughs> Uh, last time I prophesied that over somebody, they had three kids in two years. <laughs> yeah, that first set of twins. Really, or, No, the first one was a, a little girl, and then they had twins after that. Uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> See, isn't a camera great fun? I mean, you know where it works really good is at the mall. Yeah, you go to the mall. Oh, yeah, you just, you've got mail. (laughs) What's scary? No, it's a hoot. It is, it's a hoot. You know, I mean, the first couple times you tried, it might be scary, but, you know, practice on your dog. (laughs) Serious, start prophesying over your dog. I mean, seriously, if you got a, you know, if you got a, um, a dog and, um, you just prophesy over it that it'll learn to ride on the seat of your bike and take it for a bike ride, still learns how. No, I'm serious. It's what I did with my dog. I want him to ride on the back of my jet ski with me. So I prophesied it over him. I mean, it's a lab. It can't sit on a jet ski seat. The lab is more ADD than I am. So I set the lab on the, on the seat. Holy Spirit, come. You can now ride a jet ski. Got on the jet ski, went for a ride. It stayed there the whole time. You got to practice. The first, you know, when, when people, when I was praying for people and they started falling down, I, I just didn't believe it was God. So I said, God, if that's you, then you let that happen to my dog. And I got home about 1 o'clock in the morning. There's my dog, Coco, at the top of the stairs. <laughs> He'd wag its tail so hard it'd usually wet the floor. But So I walked up the stairs, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, come. Put my hand right on the dog's head. And Holy Spirit, come. <laughs> Bam! Just spread out on all floors, just like that. I was so freaked out, I went and got my wife. <laughs> I did. I woke her up. I'm like, honey, you got to come see this. What are you, what? The dog slain in the spirit. (laughs) So there was a dog laying on the floor and then it slowly rolled over and his tongue was hanging out. And then it had an ear infection. So prayed for the ear infection and it went away. And then it was getting late, like 1.30 in the morning. So I went in the kitchen and I had some lemon bars and some dots right before I went to bed. You got to have dots before you go to bed. And... And then when I went back in, the dog had, you know, kind of woken back up, but it didn't have an ear infection anymore. 
So it was like, well, if you can do it to my dog, you have full permission to do it to people. Amen? But you you got to practice. In fact, you should, y'all should practice on each other. Serious. Practice praying for one another. I mean, you should practice leading each other to Jesus. Because some of you still need to be born again again. That wasn't a judgment. It was a truth. Hallelujah. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Can you stand up for me? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. What's your name? Becca? Becca is one of my favorite names on the planet. Becca was the most outstanding young lady in my youth ministry. She's now gone all over the whole world doing missions. Yeah? So will you. So will you. Yep, you are made for missions. And not only that, but um, all that's pretty cool. You have a heart for orphans. Mm -hmm. And you have a heart for um, the underdog. The heart of the underdog breaks your heart. And you know what? God is going to use you with more underdogs than you can shake a stick at. And the only warning God will give you when you're working with the other, with the underdogs is don't let the underdogs, don't put yourself between Jesus and the underdog. Because Jesus will run you over. Yeah? Let Jesus do his job. You do your job. But, um, hang on. Oh, that's cool. You've got a word of knowledge gift that's going to start out in pictures just like we prayed for tonight, and then it's going to grow. And then as it grows, you'll walk into a crowd. Your body will get sensitive, and you'll begin to feel pain in different joints, different parts of your body. You'll know then that those there's somebody in the room who has that condition. You'll pray for them. It'll break and go. That's the beginning of how God's going to use you in healing and word of knowledge, and then it's just going to explode. Okay, now I want you to repeat after me. I'm worthy. There is therefore now no condemnation. I'm holy. I'm white as snow. I'm cute. I'm good looking. I'm funny. I'm smart. Mm -hmm. Get her, God. In Jesus' name. Loose it. Make sense? Sweet. I wish I got that word. That's a good word. <laughs> well, see, do you, do you see the way the Holy Spirit's speaking over people? Okay, so get this. So if that's the way I'm hearing him speak over you, let me clue you in. That's the way he's speaking over you. So when you hear him, that's the way you hear him. Isn't that good? Well, smile at me or something. <laughs> like if you agree, say amen. amen. All right. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. That's pretty good. I always said I'd never do that because Andre does it, you know, and then once I told Andre I'd never do that, then the, like, it was like the next night I got that disease. 
where I would respond to what I heard or what I saw. You have a twins hat on. Will you stand up? What's your name? Kevin. Well, Kevin, you're a radical one. And um, you're going to do radical exploits because you hate boring. And if it's boring, you'd abs- we want absolutely nothing to do with it. And God is going to give you ideas that um, are so outside the box that you're going to look at it and be like, we'd never pull this off. But you'll pull it off. And and it's almost like God has put you in this group to, to give you a, a, a place to network from. Yeah? Because you're going to run across every stream. And when I say every stream, I mean all the denominations. You're going to run through across all the denominations because, you know what, God's given you such a heart um, for young people who are getting pulled into the world and gobbled up and spit out. He's going to use you to save them. I just see this really crazy picture right now where you've set up. <laughs> well, I'm on thin ice. Let's just go for open water. I, I just... <laughs> Well, I just see like in a public park, you've, you've just set up this like crazy like board park and you bring all these kids in there that are radical and then they attract radical and then these radical kids who otherwise are misunderstood and tattooed with more hardware than Hank would never get born again and it's that it's those. So I don't know how God's going to do that. It's just the picture I see. But you're going to, the, the ones that you're going to go after, the ones that you're going to win, um, if they walked into a church, church would just flat out reject them. That drives you crazy. Make sense? Hmm. So Lord, give them a radical anointing for radical exploits. Hallelujah. Things so far outside the box scare the snot out of most Christians. Give them that, God. Father, give him an outrageous faith. Just give him an outrageous faith for outrageous exploits in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Uh, that's good. Sometimes it's good when the prophetic makes sense. Thank you, Lord. Oh. Say the young lady is just getting up to leave. You're next. So there's this wonderful anointing on your life. Um, and I, I just... Huh. There's this wonderful anointing on your life. And, and I don't know where you're at or what, but I just I just hear the, the Holy Spirit say to me, um, there's an anointing on her life for business. There's an anointing on her life... Um, like Joseph, an anointing to dream a dream, and then you have a skill set to be able to administrate that dream. Walk that out. Walk that out. Does that make sense? Because you really like having stuff lined up. Man, you like everything lined up, I's dotted, T's crossed. And, and if you study Joseph... He went to prison and he ran the prison. He went to Potiphar's house and he ran Potiphar's house. And then he went to Egypt to pull off the vision 
to take the seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine. I see that kind of anointing on your life. Make sense? What's your name? Nancy. I know it's your first time, but thanks for coming. God bless you. Hallelujah. (laughs) Who? Stand up. All right. So if I give you this word, will you bring it to pass? Wrong answer. He gave you the authority. All right, that's what I want to hear. Thank you, Lord. What's your name again? Jeremy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, Jeremy, you've been pressing in and pressing in and pressing in, and now it's time to quit pressing in. It's time to start doing. There's things that God has put in your heart. Go do what he's put in your heart. If it's go on a mission trip, go on a mission trip. Mission trips only cost money. It's God's will. It's God's bill, right? Last year I went to the Ukraine. When I said yes to going, I didn't have a dime to go. Actually, when I did go, I not only had my plane ticket, which was ludicrous last year because of the Olympics, um, but I had another $1,000 to leave with the people of the Ukraine. God's will, God's bill. So actually put feet to the things that God's put in your heart. Start doing them. Start doing them. Start going out. Start being that witness. Don't be afraid of failure. Do you know how many times I've failed at this? Like over a million. Seriously. I've I've made more mistakes in Christianity than I have in my business life. But you know what? I'm so hungry to learn and grow. I don't care how many times I fall down. I will get back up and I will run with the wind because that is what I'm made for and that's what you're made for. You are made to run with the wind. You are made to be influenced and moved and molded by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you separate your soul and your spirit, God's going to take your confidence from here right up to here. But he can't steer a ship that won't move. So you got to do in order to be moved. Amen? Make sense? Yeah? Come up here. What? Oh, put your hand on your belly. Fall on him, okay? (laughs) So, Father, for Jeremy, Lord, we just ask that you would open this belly and let the river of living water flow out of this belly in greater measure. Loose it now in Jesus' name. Open this river. Open this river. Quit trying to figure it out. Turning in this belly, stop. Cease. 
cease. Peace come. <sighs> That's better. Can you feel that? We have a saying at home, pumped is good. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. You got a good healing gift on your life, too. You got to quit telling yourself what you're not. Start agreeing with God. Okay, so let's, we'll take you through it. I'm worthy. I'm worthy. I'm holy. I'm holy. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm washed white as snow. I'm cute. I'm cute. Good looking. Good looking. And funny. And funny. Amen? Amen. All right. <laughs> Loose it. Thank you, Jesus. Go, God. Thank you, Jesus. If you raise your hand, I won't call on you. Yeah, come on up here. Put your hand. Okay, so if you want this, hold up your hands like you're getting a present. Put your hands right in your belly. The rest of you, hold up your hands like you're getting a present. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Father, into this belly, I say, open now in Jesus' name. Open and let rivers of living water flow from this belly. Let it come. Lord, open this flow and let nothing shut it down. Let nothing shut it down. <sighs> Loose it. In Jesus' name. Loose. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, God. Whoa. Go. <laughs> Do the word I told you last time. Got to write it down. Stand up. Put your hand on your belly. So here's the deal. You keep your hand on your belly. Out of your belly flows a river of living water. Okay? Now you either believe that or you don't. Now, I happen to believe that I have a river coming out of my belly that can go directly into your belly. And it's the river of life. All right? The reason I blow on people is because before Jesus left the planet, he blew on people. All right? It's the only reason I blow. And the reason I blow loud is so you don't fall asleep. Other than that, it has no spiritual significance. And the reason I make the noises that I do is because you giggle and laugh. Here's the thing you have to understand. If you're ever going to do meetings, there's two things that are happening in this room at the same time. You have people dynamics and you have spiritual dynamics. And if you don't know how to manage both dynamics at the same time, you will become very ineffective. So what I've learned in my ministry is how to manage both dynamics at the same time. That's why you've listened for well over two hours and we haven't had 38 people go potty. It's because we've managed both, right? If we just managed the spiritual, 
we would have lost the people dynamics. If we only managed the people dynamics, you would have been bored to tears over an hour ago. But you need to understand what's going on in the room in the same way that I know what's going on in the room. Amen? That way, when you do a meeting, you'll understand how to manage it. So put your hand on your belly. What's your name? Maddie. Maddie. Hallelujah. Put your hand there. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. You know, Maddie, I might be missing this, but you know what? I'm going to go back in your in your generational line. On your mom's side, in the women, and I'm going to break off attacks on the mind that have come to the women four generations back in your family line. And I break the power of that now in Jesus' name. I break the power of condemnation. I break the power of depression. I break anything that would come against the minds of women in Maddie's family right now. And I revisit it with the fullness of joy. I revisit it with the permission to live in the fullness of joy. You need to go have fun again. Woo! You need to like go on a boat ride or something. (laughs) In an inner tube at 60. Hallelujah. So, Father, we... um, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, now that we've broken that, we release the fullness of joy. Okay, now we're going to practice joy, okay? You ever practice joy? Okay, okay, so here's how you start, okay? Go like this, go. Ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ho. He, he, he. God, you look... You look really funny doing that. <laughs> you need to let that release in your spirit. Say, God, I want joy. I want it in fullness. Hallelujah. I do not want it in my own strength. I want it by the spirit. Bring it. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just pull off. We just pull off. The judgments of the way of the world right now in Jesus' name. We just pull that off in Jesus' name. And we release fullness of joy. Thank you, Lord. Mm, Hallelujah. I just feel like this whole next season for you is going to be about a season of refreshing. Just over and over and over and over. And you can quit striving anytime you want. The Bible gives you full permission to quit striving. Anytime you want. This whole next season for you is going to be learning to walk in peace and rest. That means your circumstances are are not going to change. What it means is how you handle them will. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to be one of the ones, if you say yes to God, that God will be able to put weight on. Do you know what that means? means you're going to be one of the ones that he trusts to carry out this end-time revival that he's going to bring to the earth. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You're going to be part of that army that says yes to God in the final end-time revival because it'll be in your generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sweet, huh? What are you, you could just read it out loud. If, if you need to go, you can go. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh yeah, I forgot to do. It's worked out for those people that have left that you prophesied over. Yeah. Yeah, if you need to go, you can go. And if you're bored, you can go. But if you're bored, you should at least leave an offering. <laughs> Seriously, you guys need to learn how to give because if you don't learn how to give and learn how to walk out the economy of God, you'll never be able to do the very thing that he's called you to do. You won't. I promise you, you won't. Because you can't outgive God. You can't. I mean, the first conference I did, I was floored because it started out with no money. We got all done. We had ten grand. That's crazy. Yeah? But that's God. So, is the piano player here in the back who played this piano? Yeah, the young lady. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Hold up your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, when you were worshiping tonight, the Lord was speaking to me and, and he was saying um, that you're going to be like a, um, a modern day psalmist. But it won't be in the language of the psalms. It, it'll be in your language. Okay? And the things that you write... Some of them will be sung. Some will be put to music and will be lyrically wonderful. Others of them will just be expressions of your heart that when other people read those expressions will open up their heart to say yes to God. Yeah? The Lord says to me that you're really deep water. Yeah? You're really deep water. You're well-grounded. You're well-rooted. I really feel like you've been raised apart from the way of the world for such a time as this. You've been one of those kids who've been set apart by their parents, and sometimes you didn't like that, but I think you're old enough to realize now that it was grace. And and I just really feel like um, everything that you do, you do with great excellence. Keep it in the realm of excellence, and don't ever let it bleed into perfectionism. Because you got a little of that that runs through your veins. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Just as long as you're in balance, you're fine. But it's like as you write these different psalms, you can't be the one who reviews them to say if they're good or bad. You get somebody who you love dearly, whom you trust, and you let them be the evaluators. Yeah? Because if you evaluate it, you won't like it. You'll throw it away. And we don't want you to throw anything away that God's given you. Amen? So um, that's going to be amazing. You know, um, I love what you do on the piano. And there's actually going to be like a spirit of boldness that comes on you in certain time, at certain times in worship. And, and God's part of the reason God's making you a psalmist is because he's building a well and your spirit man. And the reason he's building that well is so when you're on that piano and the wail of God comes on you, you will wail. And out of that well will become will come the language of heaven spontaneously out of you to open the hearts and the minds and the eyes and the ears of people who otherwise would never hear. Does that make sense? Cool. So, Father, we want that. Huh. Hallelujah.
You know, I told God I'd never write songs, and he gave me my first one like a month ago. It was pretty cool. My wife actually liked it. <laughs> so, But, Lord, we just ask right now in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit, you just fall on my sister. Fall on her now in Jesus' name. Let that anointing just abduct her. Just abduct her, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, if you want to, you can lead worship all over the world. That's what I hear the Lord saying. If you want to, you can go all over the world. It's up to you. Sweet. <laughs> Isn't that cool when you, you hear something like that? Because usually we're praying so hard about what's God's will. And he says, well, if you want to go all over the world, you can. Or if you don't want to go all over the world, you don't have to. <clears throat> so what's his will? Both. It's the desire of your heart. Yeah? Am I messing with your theology? I hope not. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Oh, that's pretty cool. Huh. You know, Cat Paul might not like this word, but I just really feel like you're in this season where you're transitioning. And in that transition, um, it's not like you're 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 gonna quit the ministry or anything, but it's like God's transitioning you um, into more and more public speaking types of things. And God's going to start opening doors. You're going to be surprised as God begins to open doors for you to come and tell your story. You have an amazing testimony of the grace and the power and the love of, and the love of God. And you need to tell your story. In fact, there's a book in you about your story. And it's only, it's only the first of, I can see at least three on the coffee table with your name on them. Um, but it's the first of three that I can see. And then if you can do three, why not five, right? So um, look, if, if me being Mr. ADD can be like, I'm about 40% through with my first one. If I can do it, you can do it. Because you're actually like organized and you think linear and, you know, I don't, I can't do any of that. I'm like a mosquito on crack. So, but, but I really feel like God's going to open these doors for you. And um, the one thing I tell you is don't go alone. I always bring a team and then train them and equip them as you go. And if you need me to open doors for you, I will. You say, yeah, I want to open a door. Yeah, I'll open them. I have friends all, all over the world. Love to have you come. And um, wouldn't she be awesome, Vivian, in Detroit Lakes? We, we have this place we go to. It's a homeless shelter called The Refuge up in Detroit Lakes. And it's also a, um, food sh or a, um, a soup kitchen. So they feed like 30,000 meals a year. And and then there's this whole group of people that you, you, you minister to and preach and teach and all of that. Um, but you would be perfect there. It's just like so organic.
But I just really feel like God's going to open these doors, and it's not like um, what God's going to show you, and I get it now, what God is showing is going to show you in in this next season is you're a lot more than a great administrator. You're way more gifted than that. And this public preaching gift that, that I see, this teaching gift on your life, it's almost like... Um, um, God, I hate to say it. Well, I'll do it anyway. If I'm wrong, I'll, I apologize in advance. <laughs> but I almost feel like there's this um, Joyce Meyer story in you and this Joyce Meyer anointing that's on you because you're so tenacious. Yeah? You're a fighter. And you've had to battle through a lot of things. You know, you're a warrior. And you battle through and you war through and you war even when you're not in a good mood and... <laughs> and that's what God loves about you is is that he's given you a vision and you're going to see it and even here the dream he's given you here you're going to see it yeah but you're so much more than administrator and sometimes you just get sucked into the quicksand of details and every ministry needs you I have Susie, my wife, and without her, I would be sucked in like 10 feet under quicksand because I really like details. I just don't know what to do with them. (laughs) So, Holy Spirit, I just pray in this next season that you just bring this refreshing over and over and over and over again to my sister, that you just like wave upon wave. Yeah, put your hand on her, just wave upon wave of refreshing Refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Just bring it, God. Thank you, Lord. Huh. You know, there's a gift to exhortation that's on your life as well. And you need to really start exercising that, that, that gift because there, you are such an exhorter, edifier, builder, upperer. You're awesome. And tonight, Lord, we just pray that same encouragement that she always gives out, that you'd fill her with that same encouragement and hope in Jesus' name. We lift every burden, every worry, every care, and we say, Holy Spirit, come and bring an overflow of love from heaven in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes people, we just need to give them the Big Mac attack. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Who is that? Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Can you stand up for me? Yep, you. And you. And the guy in the in the gray V-neck, right there, blue, right there. Yep, you. Stand up. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Any more? Tell me now. Hmm. <laughs> 
We stand up for me. Yep, you. What I'm doing is just having the Holy Spirit highlight people. Because he, he told me that, you know, there's going to be a few appointed in the room. Not, it's not that you all won't pursue this, but who are going to become, um, like, extraordinarily sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I call you presence junkies. Okay? And, like, like Vivian. Vivian's a presence junkie. You know, I mean, she is. She's like, when we're worshiping in a meeting and I look at the back of the room and there's Vivian like laid out on the floor, I'm like, I'm like, how come I'm not feeling that? And the Lord will say, because she's a presence junkie. Yeah. What's your name? Blake. You know, the Lord really likes how sensitive you are. Don't ever lose that quality. I know in the way of the world, a man being sensitive is like almost, you know, we make a big deal out of that because they're supposed to be tough and macho. And um, but I'm really sensitive. I mean, I can be funny and sensitive. I mean, I serve a pretty big God. And, But the Lord just loves how sensitive you are. And don't, don't ever let anybody convince you that it's not a quality worth pursuing. And guard your heart to keep it that way. Yeah, the way the world would love to drag you in and chew you up and spit you out and scar your heart. But don't allow it. You know, just just guard your heart. It's like so important for you, for your future, and especially your family, your future family, that you maintain that tender, sensitive heart because you have an idea. You can't really quite put language to it yet about what it looks like to raise a a, a Christian family that looks so different than the way you were raised and the way modern-day Christianity is currently done. And there will actually be a reality to what you do that the world has never seen before, that Christianity has never seen before, because you're made for such a time as this. And if you were made in a generation earlier, you, you would have been frustrated because such a time as this would have been a generation away. But you're made for this time. And I love how creative you are and how creative you are in your thinking. And, and just don't ever lose that edge to you. Yeah? That others may come against it. Don't just, there's a forerunner spirit on your life. Don't let anybody come against that. You'll be misunderstood. Don't worry about that. It doesn't mean go out and be rebellious. It means you have a forerunner spirit to break into the things of God in new ways and new um, ideas and, and just things that haven't been done before God's going to release in you. And there are other people who are going to be, be jealous of it and they're, they're, they're going to come against it. But don't listen. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, we just release that now in Jesus' name for my brother. The fullness of that word, let it come. Presence junkies along with them. God, we just ask, if you're by a presence junkie, lay your hand on. Oh, you're going to be one too. Yeah, you, your presence. It's not that we're not all presence junkies, but it's like some of us, there'll be forerunners to be hypersensitive to what God is doing. So, Father, we just release that in Jesus' name. Loose it. Loose it. Burn! 
Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if I didn't highlight you, it's no big thing to say I want that too. So, Father, those who are saying they want it, Father, we just release it to them too. Lord, just release release that to them as well, God, that they would be presence junkies, God, that they would be hypersensitive to the Holy Spirit, and that when you start moving in the room, they actually start reacting, reacting and manifesting the power of the Holy Spirit, this, the, just the, the amazing love that comes out of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Just release that in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. The thing I love about presence junkies is they don't, they don't just give a rip what people think. If God says, go lay on the, on the floor in the front, they go lay on the floor. If they say, stand on their head, they stand on their head. Hallelujah. When God first abducted me with the Holy Spirit, they would, we would do altar calls. And Doug Stanton, he was the preacher and, and, and he'd be like, he'd be like, ah, there's some ladies here. And you're having struggles with your female body parts. God wants to heal that tonight. Why don't you come up now? I'd get there before the ladies. I would. I'd be like first in line. And Doug would look at me and he'd be like, oh, you didn't have female body parts. And I'm like, how do you know? Then he'd just give up and pray for me. <laughs> and then I would just get whacked. And then I'd do some carpet time. I love carpet time. Yeah? Because it's where God has your undivided attention. Yeah? That's what I love about it. It's just so undivided. This is me and him. That's the place where we're made for. And the way we, we get there and we stay there is when we learn how to divide our soul from our spirit. Amen? Well, thanks for having me. You guys are great fun as always. I love being with you. You don't have to go home, and you can stay here, but I think that kind of leaves our night off for everybody. I'll just pray for everybody here before we leave, and then there's food upstairs, too, that's kind of been waiting to be eaten. Um, God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for um, increasing our faith here just by moving. God, you're so faithful to to do what you love, to interact with us, and you love to encounter us. Um, God, you are silly, and we... We love that about you. So we, um, we thank you. We, we praise you and we, we do. We want to, um, we want to go out. We want to go walk in your power. We want to go walk in the, the destiny and the calling that you've given us, the identity you've given us, God. Um, so praise be to you that you are, are able to do that and that you are, are with us always. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can pray for somebody too. That'd be fun.